Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily. This is season three. I'm doing it live. Episode 32. Uh, this is a time machine episode for February 1st, 2024. I'm flying solo today. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI that is off on assignment at the moment, doing some due diligence. Uh, I'm going to get right on into today's articles. We've got 10 of them. I'm in the time machine, so I'm running low on time all the time. It can overheat. And if the dual black holes collapse, then I will not be able to get back to my regular time. So let's get into it. Hello again, I am Marawat. Uh, I run hometown.com. Hometown.com powers this show and the two others that are currently about to be released as podcasts as well as weekend shows. We do them at six. Actually, we do them just after the Hometown Daily show on the weekends. Um, Hometown Daily takes place at 6 p.m. Eastern. And uh, then at 7, we are about 7, 7.15, 7.30-ish. Uh, sometimes later, I'm really sorry, I can't nail it down because um, we do it immediately after uh, a reset of Omtown Daily. When So tomorrow is going to be in the real time. <laughs> uh, it's going to be um, Reality Hacker. And then on Sunday is going to be the Continuity Report. So uh, stay tuned. Be sure to follow us here on Twitch. Go over to YouTube. Just search for Omtown and you'll find hometown. And um, there's also a, a podcast. Again, those two other podcasts are about to launch. So it's going to be hometown, um, which encompasses the daily news show. And on top of that is going to be the continuity report and reality hacker. So, all right, let's get into today's articles. First article is YouTube, Discord, and Lord of the Rings led police to a teen accused of a U.S. swatting spree. For nearly two years, uh, police have been tracking down the culprit behind a, a wave of hoax threats. A digital trail took them to the door of a 17-year-old in California. I'm surprised it actually took two years to track down this Nimrod, but um, it is what it is. Uh, for nearly two years, they've been trying to track this person down. California teenager, prosecutors say, is uh, responsible for hundreds of swatting attacks around the United States, was exposed after law enforcement pieced together a digital trail left uh, on some internet's uh, largest platforms. Alan Winston Fillion, a 17-year-old from Lancaster, California. I'm surprised that they're actually naming the person out loud, um, considering they're 17. Uh, maybe because they're treating that person as an adult, they're allowed to disclose the person's name, but they face four felony charges in Florida, Seminole County, um, related to swatting or fake threats called into the police to provoke a forceful response. Basically, the police can't go, eh, we don't think that this is legit, because if something is really happening, then all hell can be brought against them. Fillion's arrest, first reported by Wired in January 26th, marks the culmination of a multi-agency manhunt for the person police claim is responsible for swatting attacks on high schools, historically black colleges and universities, mosques, 
and federal agents and for bomb threats uh, to the Pentagon, members of the United States Senate and the U.S. Supreme Court. Ultimately, a YouTube channel, Discord chats, and usernames related to the Lord of the Rings helped lead authorities to Fillion's doorstep. This is pretty amazing. Um, this article is over in uh, Wired.com. The author is Dhruv Marotra and Andrew Kautz. Uh, again, the deck statement says, For nearly two years, police have been tracking down the culprit behind a wave of hoax threats. A digital trail took them to the door of a 17-year-old in California. And uh, frankly, I hope they throw the book at this person. I don't know about putting them in jail or whatnot, but if somebody has been hurt, then there really does need to be a reckoning. Um, but uh, they've been doing it for two years, so it's a 15-year-old at the time doing this stupid shit. Um, and it's a real shame. So that's, I'm going to move on to the next article, though, so the time machine doesn't overheat. The next article is over in the Technology Today channel. Uh, digital watermarks combined with AI. Will speed up copyright infringement cases, study says. Uh, digital watermarks combined with AI will speed up the resolution of legal cases about copyright infringements, a new study says. The article is over at Tech Explore, and uh, the author is, it's actually a, from University of Exeter, so but I don't know who wrote it. Um, Technology, the technology would enhance the assessment of data about potential breaches and make it easier for lawsuits to be brought. It will also lead to more evidence being available to the courts, but the increasing use of watermarking, which makes it easier to detect copying and AI is also likely to mean a proliferation of small scale disputes. Experts have warned. Um, just to, I have some experience in this because I've actually created a system of digital watermarking and audible watermarking um, to track um, basically assets. And my experience has led me to understand that you build a better mousetrap and smarter mice come and steal the cheese. So I don't really buy into this being a permanent thing. Um, even there are some seriously robust uh, protections in places and uh, I think that it eventually gets broken by ever increasingly intelligent mice that are tired of having to deal with some type of copy protection or DRM, digital rights management. So it says existing laws means AI can be used for arbitration and mediation through examining data and supporting the use of robo judges to help make decisions. That's interesting because they don't allow you can't actually, AI doesn't have any rights. It can't be brought to jail. It, it, it can't be punished in any way. It can be turned off. That's about it. But um, I find it interesting that the law is saying things about copyright. You, if you use AI, you can't get a copyright on your work, um, but apparently it can be used in arbitration and mediation. Uh, the study was carried out by James Griffin from the University of Exeter Law School. Karyaki Nasia, Stanislav Nedeva uh, from the University of Reading or Reading, um, Stavros Zervaticus, Vice President of Artificial Intelligence, Mutual of America Financial Group, Jonathan Lux from Lux Mediation, and John McNamara of IBM Master Inventor and IBM Honorary Professor. That's quite the title. 
So the researchers applied an existing AI system to copyright case law to see how it could read and understand cases and produce outcomes in disputes. Um, uh, concerning 3D printing. And they found that more complex watermarks will lead to faster and more accurate resolutions. So I'm surprised how they're going to get anything involving 3D. Uh, I'm not quite sure of the exact context of this because they say at the moment digital water or sorry digital fingerprint watermarks are used within digital services such as youtube it's possible to use such watermarks on traditional physical media and within newer technologies such as 3d printing so it says this provides evidence about infringements in more detail than ever before all right uh, AI can assist arbitrators with their case and process management, the gathering and analysis of facts, as well as with their decision-making by providing prediction models. I don't really like the idea of prediction models, but I've actually got some experience with that as well, because I was working on my own model um, to see if I could predict cases. And uh, it never came to fruition because you had to have privileged information and I was never at that level. Um, but my assessment of the theory was that if I have enough information from discovery before we go to trial, um, I could predict the case. And um, I never got to actually test it, but I find it pretty interesting that uh, this paper or this article references a paper that actually speaks to what I was talking about uh, back 20 plus years ago, that AI can assist arbitrators in their case and process management. Essentially looking at all of the facts and saying, you've got a 10% chance of winning this case historically. There's always going to be somebody that says, well, I can win the game, but uh, guess again, you never really know what the outcome is of a particularly jury trial, let alone a bench trial. Uh, the existing legal regime for dispute resolution for such disputes calls for alternative dispute resolution or ADR methods, be it arbitration or mediation. It can, uh, within, it can, it is within the existing framework that AI systems can fit or offer bespoke ADR. I really don't want, I want a human. <laughs> I really do. Ultimately, I want a human deciding, um, facilitating the dispute resolution, be it arbitration or mediation. Um, and AI saying X, Y, or Z, if we start uh, taking it for granted that it's being equitable, then you end up with this kind of technocracy kind of mindset and we lose the humanity in context. So let's keep on going though. Our next article is over in the mobile channel. More than 500 journalists laid off in January alone. Um, I had a conversation about this because uh, I seemed like, uh, uh, it seemed to me like it was being reduced more and more and more because if you don't write popular, then you don't make money really. Um, unless you have a tremendous amount of charisma and, and your writing chops is spectacular and you don't get a gig, but so people are losing their jobs and I think a lot of it could be AI bound, but here's the problem. 
AI is nothing without the journalists that power it, right? So journalists write all of this stuff and then it gets posted and then AI kind of scoops it all up and, and then it generates whatever. I, I, AI can't exist in a vacuum. It needs our humanity to embody itself. So it's more like a parasite than it is. A, a true entity in and of itself. It's not reporting anything. It's not creating anything. It's basically regurgitating and spinning things. Um, and while I appreciate what it can do, it it's not discovering new facts. <clears throat> it might find new interactions, but it's because humans have created so much data that it's untenable to see interactions. And that's what AI is good for. Give it, a, give it a bunch of data and it can find stuff. But it also makes shit up and has hallucinations. So um, it's it's troubling. Um, a total of 528 layoffs came in the news category alone, which is up 1,660% from the 30 tracked in December. Well, that's because more is being disclo disclosed and discovered. So... <coughs> Pardon me. Um, the article, though, is over at the Hill. Dominic Mastrangelo or Mastrangelo um, put the article together. Again, it's at thehill.com. And uh, they talk about it in, in a very brief bit. And so you can go over and follow the show notes uh, through hometown over to the Hill. And um, you'll be able to suss out a little bit more. I mean, they talk about it a new startup called the messenger laid off hundreds of its employees and folded after the website failed to achieve lofty goals yeah it has to be slow you have to have a long 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 runway um particularly in writing because well <laughs> people appreciate video more or pure audio than they do just text you know um at least the newer generations do we're we're embracing the whole video world um, but let's keep going. We've got a few more articles to get through. Uh, the next article is over in the Lawner channel. Judge gets in trouble for giving good advice and having fun. Can't even go for a swim anymore, according to the statement here in the little snippet. Uh, this is what's provided by Above the Law, but we always love Above the Law. So we click the link and we go over to Above the Law. Chris Williams is the author. Um... Holding judges accountable is in high demand right now. The justice of the Supreme Court are doing whatever they want because no one, uh, who can stop them. So making an example of judges limits most of us to the gavel wielders who actually have binding codes of ethics. So above the law kind of likes to take a little jab at the Supreme Court because apparently they can do whatever the hell they want to. Uh, but if you're a civil servant working for the government, if you're working for public service in a local or state uh, organization, um, you can't benefit from your position. Um, but attorneys, they can't either. Uh, and they're bound by a code of ethics. But And so are, I guess, smaller judges, uh, at least the ones that are in some public space i mean if you're in some tiny little uh, you know dusty town and you're the judge there you can almost wield your power with impunity because nobody's gonna go anywhere because there's nowhere to go um 
But according to this article, it says, I'm all for forcing judges to walk straight and narrow, but there are times where accountability looks more like caviling. Um, this is one of them. A Las Vegas judge is facing ethics charges partly for a social media photo of herself sporting a bikini while in a hot tub with public defenders. Right. They're not allowed to have a social life. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that, I don't know, maybe most judges wouldn't be hanging out um, with their public defenders overtly purely socially. I don't know. Uh, the article says they had a judge who enslaved dozens of kids over made up laws. Now that's newsworthy. Getting caught in a hot tub is very tame for all the things a judge could get in trouble for in Las Vegas. She's facing a whole litany of complaints because she used the words <laughs> T and S. I, I try not to cuss, but sometimes I do. <laughs> Context matters. <laughs> Me just quoting them. You can read it. So they say it's misconduct complaint alleges that both posts violate ethics rules requiring judges to act in a way that promotes public confidence in the judiciary, requiring them to comply with the law, including the judicial ethics code and providing that judges participating in extracurricular activities should not act in a way that appears to undermine their independence and integrity. Yeah. I mean, the author is of this I think is conflating the two issues and I don't want to I don't want to uh, lower the bar um, for a judge because somebody else is horrible <laughs> um, so let's just uh, let's just say that the two don't even align close <coughs> and getting in trouble for this I don't think um, really should be where this goes. But I also don't, I really don't want a judge hanging out with public defenders as if they're all buddy, buddy, everything should be professionally separate. Um, but maybe that's just me it says, don't be mad at her for being right. Be mad at the police. Data shows that of the 600 people killed in traffic stops between 2017 and 2022, 28% of the drivers were black, despite being only 13% of the population. And considering that around 20% of the population responded that they feel angry and frustrated on the job. The author says that they shouldn't or They wouldn't take the risk of unnecessarily talking to a gun and a badge on what could be one of their bad days. Um, they throw this in, into this article. Um, and frankly, um, Again, it's amplifying or conflating, inflaming <laughs> um, what is really going on here. Um, and so they merge a bunch of these other issues. And I think that they should be separate. This article should be focusing on this judge's perceived accountability for wearing a bikini and hanging out with public defenders. Yeah, I think it's kind of stupid that somebody would get in trouble for that. But I also think that like I said earlier, the judge shouldn't be hanging out uh, with public defenders. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in the mobile channel. Snap recalls all of its selfie drones due to fears that they'll become flying fireballs. A couple of years ago, Snap, the company behind Snapchat, decided that the selfie uh, production pipeline needed to be improved upon. Bathroom mirrors and selfie sticks were not cutting it. No, no. 
Snap decided that the next evolution of the art of taking pictures of yourself would involve a flying robot. So apparently this is it. <clears throat> Lucas Ropek over at gizmodo.com put the article together. The deck statement says, Snap is urging the people who bought the Pixie to immediately stop using it and remove the battery and stop charging it. So apparently it's going to swell and blow up or something. So it launched Pixie. <clears throat> a tiny yellow drone designed to follow you around and take cute candids of you while you did stuff. Retailed for upwards of $250. Did not do well. Snap halted development. Well, apparently the drone uh, might fail, catch fire, injure you. And you don't want to be a, around a fireball. So... Uh, Snap has received four reports of the battery overheating and bulging, resulting in one minor battery fire and one minor injury. What? The heck? Oh, wow. Sorry. <laughs> my, my audio actually has a voice in it. So the Verge reports that the drone should be returned without the batteries, which you'll need to dispose of safely. You can kick off the return process by sharing the drone serial number with the company via an online form. So be sure to get rid of your Snap Pixie hover drone. Otherwise, it might kill you. No, it might catch on fire. The next article is over in Technology Today. Yes, fried rice syndrome is a thing. How to stay safe without giving up rice. According to CNET, for once, social media isn't lying to you. Leftover rice can really make you sick. Here's what to know. So Nina Raymond is the author of this. The deck statement says what I just got done saying. For once, social media isn't lying to you. So generally speaking, preparing meals ahead of time is a great way to save time and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Grain-based foods can harbor dangerous bacteria and you might be surprised that one of the biggest culprits is cooked rice. By tossing that three-day-old rice instead of sparing it, you could be saving yourself some stomach trouble. Here's why you may want to avoid preparing large servings of rice for the week ahead and how you can properly store and prepare rice to prevent possible food poisoning. Um, so why is it a risk of food poisoning? Uh, Bacillus cereus, a bacterium that can cause gastrointestinal illness like vomiting and diarrhea. Food danger zone of between 40 and 140 degrees Fahrenheit. So pretty much everywhere. <clears throat> um, the bacteria begins to quickly reproduce. There are about 63,400 cases of food poisoning from Bacillus cereus every year in the United States. So what's the proper way? Uh, you should put your leftover rice in the refrigerator soon after you're done cooking it, storing it ideally within one hour and limit the amount of time your leftover rice is in the refrigerator. So that's basically um, what they want you to do. The best way to heat rice um, is to microwave it or on a stovetop steaming it and, until it reaches an te internal temperature of 165 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm not sure what it is in C. Dun, dun, dun. So there you go. It's a CNET article. Again, all of this will be in the show notes and you'll be able to um, follow the link through hometown to the source data real easy. Okay. 
Uh, the next article is over in hometown daily 23andme share price keeps falling in the wake of hacks and losses 23andme stock is down 95 percent this is as of january or february 1st uh, cutting its value from 6 billion to 345 million the genetic testing company is facing financial and uh, strategic challenges and was hacked last year the startup's backers including sequoia capital have taken big hits to their investments They've gone from Silicon Valley darling and pop culture sensation to sh- being shunned by investors and threatening and threatened with delisting. Yeah, this is pretty brutal. Um, I've been struggling with this because I really wanted to uh, do 23andMe, uh, but all of their data was breached. So I, I really don't like it. They obviously didn't have enough security. Um, the um, the article is over at Markets Insider. Theron Muhammad is the author of this, or Taryn. I'm not sure how they pronounce their first name. But uh, the genetics company is facing financial and strategic challenges. Let's see if they say anything really interesting in the article. Its cash reserves also shrunk by a third to $256 million between March and September of last year. Uh, plus these breaches. It doesn't have a really good reputation right now with the public because of these breaches. Essentially, everybody, everybody in their uh, DNA databank was taken. I mean, their data, the PII, not just the genetic stuff, but the personally identifiable stuff. You know, if DNA stuff was uh, taken and it was just not connected to a human being. That would be fine. Mostly. Um, but all of that leads to people and there is actually data that connects that raw DNA data to people. Um, it was quite disconcerting to hear how many. So CEO, uh, has tried to slow the cash burn by making layoffs and selling subsidiaries as well as revitalizing growth by pivoting to subscriptions and offering a wider range of health services. Yet the company had only 640,000 subscribers as of March last year, less than half of what it expected at that point. Subscribers? Why would they subscribe to anything? It's not like your DNA changes over time and you have to monitor it. Maybe if they find additional people and then they point you at those people, which I think is kind of creepy. Um, That may be in part because its existing backers have taken a beating Sequoia Capital's value has dropped from 145 million to under 20 according to the valuation change meanwhile hackers stole the data of nearly 7 million customers and the company only found out five months after the may breach between 23 and me's growing pains financial challenges and bad press yeah the company's taking a beating so there's more over there at the markets insider um, link so follow it through hometown Okay, we've got three more articles to go for today's time travel episode. Uh, This article is in the Warcrafters channel. Citywide Wi-Fi networks spanning literal miles could soon be possible thanks to Halo devices. Um, This is a relatively new uh, technology, but not new. It's a different way of deploying Wi-Fi. So Wi-Fi signal strength has always been a temperamental beast. One minute it's full of five bars. That's not actually what the five bars means. Um, Yet merely taking a short walk into a different room can cause it to fall to a miserable one bar or stuttering 
frustration. However, devices using new Halo 802.11ah standard have just been demonstrated working at an, at an astonishing 1.8 mile range and next to busy interference filled urban areas. That's what those bars are supposed to represent. How busy things are. Um, so Morse Micro, a wireless technology company that's been experimenting with the new standard has released a video demonstrating uh, a usable wireless signal that's up to two miles long uh, or two miles away. I find it an interesting solution, but um, I don't know. There's other solutions that are out there, uh, but CityFi has been around for quite some time. There's no way that it's getting three gigs, but okay. Um, long range Wi-Fi looks like it might be on its way and some impressive interference uh, rejection to boot. Um, it says here, let's see, while the test was performed along a large empty beach in San Francisco, the beachfront itself is packed with signal interfering buildings. It can get a good demonstration of the tech's ability to maintain a workable connection amidst the hubbub of competing signal noise in the area. So yeah, they tested it out. The long range 900 megahertz uh, Wi-Fi Halo standard was first approved by the Wi-Fi Alliance back in 2016 and designed for use in smart homes, industrial centers, and uh, smart city environments. This is interesting. <coughs> the announced data rates, though, they say is between 150 kilobits, kilobits and 78 megabits, which is an astonishing range. Pardon me one second. Really sorry. For home use, the Wi-Fi 7 standard looks to be taking the lead with faster maximum speeds, better handling of multiple device connections and 6 GHz bandwidth connections along with the wider 320 MHz channel range. Um, the new standard is also designed to lower latency on congested networks, making it more practical for an average modern home. And that's where I recommend everybody go. Uh, Halo may be for this far-flung connection, but... Um, I, <laughs> as soon as everybody is using Halo Tech, then it gets messy again. So um, just do your Wi-Fi <coughs> and then switch to cellular. I'm really sorry. I'm coughing a lot. I'm going to try and get through this. I feel really bad. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, let's go on to the next article. Uh, this next article is over in the Technology Today channel. Watch as a missing dog is found using thermal video from a drone. Ulysses, I guess, is reunited with a family uh, 12 days after going missing thanks to a heat-sensitive camera on a drone. So this is the video. It's over at bbc.com. I'm going to hit play, and I'm going to mute it. <clears throat> so they used a drone that had what amounts to FLIR or, or uh, forward looking, it's a thermal camera. Um, and the little dog, well, it's not a little dog, it's a grown dog, um, was just hiding in some bushes, but they had been looking for it. A missing dog was reunited with his family 12 days after going missing, appeared as a bright white blob in the video, which was shot by Charity Drone to Home. He was tracked down to a hedge, having gone missing on a walk. Um, pretty amazing. The owner, Sam Boyle, is fundraising for the charity. 
Whoops. It forwarded on to something else. Um, is fundraising for a charity to buy another drone to help them find more lost animals. So good on them. I wonder how much that costs. So it's pretty simple. I mean, it's basically a drone with thermal vision that uh, flies around and, and can spot heat signatures. Uh, police use it all the time. Military use that all the time. Um, uh, search and rescue use that. Uh, but this is the uh, first for me, at least, um, in terms of somebody using it to recover a lost pet. Um, pretty cool, though, nonetheless. Okay, one last article for today. Uh, the next article is over in the Law Nerd channel. Lawyers still haven't learned ChatGPT just isn't for them. It isn't meant for legal research. It, it isn't meant for legal research. It also isn't meant for academic research. Um, but if you follow this link, you'll get taken over to Above the Law, where Catherine Rubino wrote the article. Um, and I'll, I can summarize beyond this. Um, essentially, ChatGPT just spits out a bunch of garbage. You don't know what it's going to spit out. And if you're going to use it academically or legally, you're going to have to cite sources. And, it, and the legal system <laughs> doesn't take kindly even a little bit um, to fraudulent claims. Um, you can lose your license. You can be brought before an ethics board. Um, you may even be criminally charged because it's negligence. At some point it goes from just being an oops to being criminally stupid. Um, so it says, when are lawyers going to learn? You cannot use the commercially available generative AI tools to do legal research. That's not what they're designed to do. And if you try, then the algorithm is likely to hallucinate fake cases. That's what's happened in the past. Um, so the second court has referred attorney uh, J.S. Lee to a grievance panel for citing a fake case made up by ChatGPT in a complaint and never checking to see if the case spit out by the AI was real. And so Law360 is apparently the source, um, but AboveTheLaw.com kind of summarizes it, puts a quote in here from uh, whatever was in the Law360 case. Uh, consequently, the author of the, the uh, paperwork in the lawsuit says that they utilize ChatGPT service for which they are subscribed and a paying member for assistance in case identification. But that is not right. <laughs> this is wholly wrong headed. Um, you don't subscribe to ChatGPT and then announce that you're a subscribed and paying member for assistance in case identification. That's not what it's there for. Um, it has no legal understanding. It's just grabbing context and spitting out bullshit. So ChatGPT was previously provided reliable information such as locating services or sources for finding an antique furniture key. The case mentioned above was suggested by ChatGPT. They wish to clarify that they did not cite any specific reasoning or decision from this case. So basically all of this is hallucination and apparently so is this attorney's um ability to practice law who knows this just doesn't make any sense you have to cite if you make a claim in your legal brief 
and you don't have a site, it's nothing more than, or a, re a reference to some case, then it's nothing more than opinion. And that's not what is going to be found in your favor in, in a lawsuit. So the brief presents a false statement of law to this court. And it appears that attorney Lee made no inquiry, much less the reasonable inquiry required by rule 11. So violation of the ethics could cost them their ability to practice law. Um, so everybody out there, stop using ChatGPT, particularly in academia, partic particularly in uh, law. So in academia, if you don't cite your sources, it's plagiarism and you'll get punted from the institution. So just don't be dumb. Um, and if you have to spend all these hours doing your review, then you might as well write the damn paper. Um, and although you can do fundamental research and then look back in the literature to find sources that support your fundamental research, um, usually you also find counter prevailing information and then you, your experiment has kind of gone wonky. Um, you included in your notes and whatnot, but it could disprove you because you actually didn't do adequate literature review before you did your fundamental research. But in all of these cases, it always is, it comes down to look at your source material reference, uh, source material that's reliable and factual and you won't end up in trouble. So anyway, uh, that's it for today. This is, um, February 1st, 2024, season three, episode 32 of hometown daily news. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And the AI is uh, off on assignment. So thank you very much for coming. We always go back to the front page of hometown, uh, essentially main street, and you can uh, check out more and more over there. Just sign up. I know that there's a glitch right now with the mobile site, but um, it's fully functional on um, iPad and other tablets, but the phone um, doesn't necessarily, well, it's wonky, but I'll get it fixed uh, hopefully this weekend. So anyway, but you can sign up from a desktop anytime or a tablet, just not iPhone um, or Android phones, mobile phones. Okay, that's it. I'm rambling. I'll see y'all later. Bye-bye.